Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Oh, Jesus. I just love to call your name. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord, for being present here with us. Lord, as we worship today, I sensed your presence moving through the midst of this crowd. And so I know, Father, that you're here and you have something to say to every person, Lord, that has come here today to worship your name. They may have come through invitation. They may have come through a family member, but they're here today. And Jesus, they need to hear your voice today. And so I'm asking today, Father, especially for those that are here for the first time, guest visitors, Lord, may we have an encounter with you today that will change our lives, that they may not come to hear the speaker, but they'll come to hear the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, who has died for them so that we may have that grace that's been sung about just moments ago. Oh, we invite you, Jesus. Speak today from your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 4. I watched in astonishment as the crowd listened in, 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 in awesome reverence as this man of God spoke to them, and as they listened as if spellbound to every word that proceeded out of his mouth. His words stirred a nation and swept across the country, and he became the face of a movement sweeping through America. And as he spoke to the crowd that night in Memphis, Tennessee, as the words that he spoke sounded strangely prophetic, I listened as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I'm not afraid of any man, for mine eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. He says, I'm not fearing any man. No one can deny that this man had a message that he spoke fearlessly with such conviction that it moved the hearts of many across America and, dare I say, the world. His message had such power and effect that a man decided to put together a sinister plot to silence his voice by assassinating him the very next day after he spoke that night in Memphis, Tennessee. Yet his message still stirs the hearts of people today. Such was the power of his message that, in an interview, he said that he had gotten to a place with God that he was willing to die for his message. What is it about his message that not even the threat of death could stop him from sharing it? Not even multiple arrests could silence this voice. There was another man who could not be silenced in first century Palestine. Yet when we meet him in the Gospels, he always has something to say. Even at the Last Supper, Peter has something to say. Sometimes what he had to say was good. 
But other times when he opened up his mouth, he wanted to go ahead and put two feet in his mouth because he got himself in trouble often. But even at the Last Supper, Peter had something to say. He declared his loyalty to Christ and was even willing to go to prison and die for his Lord, or so he said. Yet the same night, he denied his Lord three times. And this was so devastating to Peter that on resurrection morning, the angels, when they met with the women, they had to say to the women, go tell the disciples and Peter. Because Peter was so devastated, had they only said, go tell the disciples, Peter wouldn't have shown up. Because he didn't feel like he deserved that title of disciple anymore. Peter was so ashamed of his, his cowardice in denying Jesus that Jesus had to reaffirm him in the presence of the disciples three times. You remember the scene. Jesus is on that beautiful beach. I'm thinking of the beaches of Jamaica. And, uh, and I have some uh, Jamaican background, so I imagine as he's preparing breakfast for those disciples after he's resurrected, he's making some, some Achaean saltfish and some, and some dumplings. Amen. And as they're all eating, uh, Jesus asks Peter three times if he loves him. And each time he says to Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, I need you to feed my lambs. And Jesus personally commissions Peter to share a message. Uh, this same Peter becomes a central figure as we enter in to the book of Acts. In chapter 1, he stands as, as a leader to initiate the choosing of the disciple to replace Judas. In chapter 2, he, he preaches a stirring sermon on the day of Pentecost, which resulted in 3,000 baptisms. Uh, we estimate 15,000 when you include women and children. Uh, in chapter 3, after healing in the name of Jesus, a lame man, Peter again begins to preach a message from Solomon's portico, calling for people to repent and be baptized. Can you hear his voice this morning as it rings through the Jerusalem air, preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Peter had a message, and he came with power as he delivered it. Hearts were being convicted and brought to Jesus, and so much so that the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, many of those who heard the word, and I'm so glad for the young lady that, that read that scripture this morning so wonderfully. The Bible says... Many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000, which we estimate again could be anywhere about maybe 20,000 people when you include women and children. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today the risen Christ desires to do the same thing in our midst. He has given us a beautiful message. Jesus has given us a powerful message message, as you'll discover in our journey from night to night in Armageddon rising 2012. Jesus is relentlessly pursuing you. Uh, he is lovingly calling you. Jesus is calling you to experience the power of the message. And as we journey through Acts chapter 4, how many brought your Bibles today? As we journey through Acts chapter 4 today, we'll encounter four essential principles needed in order to experience the power of the message. These are the same principles that Peter and the other disciples experienced as they launched the New Testament church. 
It had such an effect that multitudes joined the church. Yet this message and Jesus' movement was causing such a stir that it aroused the opposition of the Jewish leadership and authority. I want you to come with me to Jerusalem in A.D. 31. Peter is preaching to the crowd. The Sadducees and Jewish authorities interrupt his sermon, arrest him and John, and throw them in jail. The next day, Annas and Caiaphas and many others from the Sanhedrin gather in Jerusalem to question them. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse 7. Acts chapter 4 and verse 7. Acts chapter 4 and verse 7. Let's read together. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, oh, I love this, by what power? Everyone say power. power. Or by what name? Oh, yes, Jesus. Have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is the same, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, mm. which, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter is now standing before the same people who on the night of Christ's trial, he had denied Jesus. Now, ha now he has the opportunity to redeem himself. Aren't you glad that God gives you opportunities to redeem yourself? Aren't you glad that you serve a God who gives you second, third, fourth, fifth chances? Uh, thank you, Jesus. And here we learn from Peter that if you want to experience the power of the message, you've got to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. You've got to lift up Jesus Christ. We must lift up Jesus Christ as the only source of salvation as Martin Luther did on October 15th 1517, when he boldly nailed the 95 Thesis to the door of the All Saints Church, launching the Protestant Reformation. His message that salvation is not earned by good deeds, but received only as a free gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, as Redeemer from sin, challenged the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church. His message shook Europe, changed history, and launched a movement. Martin Luther wasn't afraid to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Peter and John are now standing before the Sanhedrin. They are the same group that tried Jesus just months earlier. They were a considerably powerful group. Next to Rome, they were the internal governing body of the Jewish nation. Annas, the previous high priest, and his son-in-law, the current high priest Caiaphas, was there. 
It was Annas' courtyard that Peter denied Christ. As the disciples are dragged in like criminals, a smirk, a a sinister smirk must have formed on the the faces of Annas and Caiaphas. And it was Caiaphas' courtyard again that they witnessed Peter. Peter, deny Jesus Christ. Hmm. They distinctly remember Peter's cowardice, his cowardice and denial of following Jesus, thinking that it may be easy to intimidate him and threaten him. They began to throw questions at Peter. And now I love, friends, as we were reading that text, I love how the Bible sets up their questions. (laughs) I love how the Bible sets up their questions in verse 7. By what power? And by what name? Have you done this? Don't you just love how God orchestrates circumstances, even in the midst of the most severe trials and persecutions, to give you the perfect opportunity to exalt his name? Our family, they should have never asked that question in this text. This is not the fearful, timid Peter, overly confident and impulsive Peter standing before them that day. You can't intimidate this Peter. Oh no, this Peter has had an encounter with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He is filled with the Holy Spirit and he's got a message that is burning in his heart like fire that is shut up in his bones. Peter stands erect and begins to address the Sanhedrin. He doesn't flinch at speaking truth to power. He boldly confronts them in their role in condemning and crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't hesitate to remind them that Jesus is not dead, but the grave couldn't hold him in the ground. He is not a dead philosopher, can somebody say amen? Amen. But he is alive forevermore with all power in his hands. Peter exalts Jesus Christ as the living Christ, as the living Christ. Now don't miss the main reason why they arrested Peter. The Sadducees were upset in verse 2, if you'll go there, verse 2, because of a doctrine that Peter was teaching. Peter's evangelistic message contained the teaching of the resurrection from the dead. He had a unique, distinctive gospel message. The problem was that the Sadducees taught that there was no resurrection from the dead, so they immediately had him arrested. However, and I don't want you to miss the emphasis of Peter's doctrinal presentation. The text says in verse 2 that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Christ was the focus of the doctrine. Jesus had risen from the dead. The resurrected Christ is the resurrection and he is the life and he's my savior. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He is the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. That's why Peter could boldly declare in verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must, we must be saved. No other name can save us. Not Buddha, not Muhammad. Their graves are still occupied, but the Sanhedrin, you want to know by what power? You want to know by what name? It's in the name of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Today, Jesus is looking for more Peters in his church. 
The Adventist, Adventist Christians who, like Peter, are not ashamed to lift up the name of my Jesus. People who aren't afraid to lift up Jesus on the job, Jesus at home, Jesus in the school, Jesus in your neighborhoods. He is looking for disciples who are filled with the Holy Spirit, people who are real, people who are authentic and safe to be around, people who are ready to love people in to this message. We have a lot of good things to say from the Bible, amen? We have a lot of good things to say from the Bible that the world desperately needs to hear. Yet, they are waiting to hear how these teachings, these doctrines relate to Jesus Christ. Jesus is all over our message, amen? Lift up the person of Jesus, and like Peter, you will discover that he is the power of the message. Oh, but there's something else Peter discovered that day. Come with me to verse 13. Come with me to verse 13. Oh, I love the Bible, don't you? Ah, now when they saw the boldness of Peter mm, 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 and John and perceived <laughs> that they were uneducated pastor <laughs> and, and, and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> Friends, here we learn another essential principle from the word of God and the experience of Peter and John. The power of the message compels you to share from personal experience. In 2006, it was January of 2006, I proposed to my beautiful wife, Deidre, at the Holy Land Experience in Orlando, Florida. I don't know how many of you have been there, but it's a wonderful place to go. It's a wonderful experience. Now, what they seek to do at the Holy Land Experience is uh, they seek to take you back to the time of the Bible, right? The Bible stories. It's kind of like, uh, I like to say, it's like Disney meets the Bible. It's a theme park, okay? And they seek to take you on a journey through the Holy Land. And so you're experiencing, especially the life of Christ, right? And uh, by the way, I proposed to her there, and we've been married now for almost six years. I like to tell people we've been dating, but, you know, for nine. So you can do the math. We've been dating. We're still dating. However, that day I proposed to her, and the experience was wonderful. However, I had always wanted to go to the actual Holy Land. As a matter of fact, last year, some of my friends actually got to go. Some of my friends from the seminary got to go to the Holy Land. We call it the New Testament tour. And they got to go to Greece, and they got to go to Turkey, and they got to go to Jerusalem, and they got to go to the Holy Land. And so I was feeling a little jealous because I would go online and I would watch YouTube videos, and I'd read books, and you know, I, I would listen to the stories of people that have actually gone. And some of them would come back, and I'd love to hear the stories of those people that they would, when they come back, they, they would talk about deep spiritual experiences, being at the Jordan. Uh, they actually saw it, they, they felt it, they heard it, they, they, they could experience the Bible with a new set of eyes because they've actually been there, amen? And so next year, I'll have an opportunity to go on the New Testament tour. But these people would come back because they could say, G they could say CJ, I can actually read the Bible now and I can say, yes, I was there. As a matter of fact, one of my friends, she actually tripped down Mount Sinai and sprained her ankle. <laughs> I felt kind of bad for her. But she had a personal experience, amen? 
unfortunately, it was a bad one when it comes to tripping down Mount Sinai, but she had an experience. Next year, I'll be able to have a personal experience. My friends, if we want to experience the power of the message, we have to have a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Sanhedrin had a serious problem. They had a problem. A lame man was healed in broad daylight in the name of Jesus. And they couldn't deny it. People were glorifying God for the miracle. They knew, they, had be, they knew that they would be seen as fools to deny the miracle for fear of the people. However, there was something that troubled them even more than the miracle of the healing of the lame man. They taught, they thought rather, that they could overcome the disciples by fear and intimidation. But the Bible says that when they saw the boldness of Peter, when they saw the boldness of John, when they saw that they were uneducated men and untrained men, they marveled. They marveled. Then the sudden realization hit them like a ton of bricks. They realized that these disciples had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. I love how Auntie Ellen, as I like to call her, puts it in the Christian classic Acts of the Apostles. She says, of the disciples after the transfiguration of Christ, it is written that in the close of that wonderful scene, they saw no man save Jesus. Jesus only, in these words, is contained the secret of the life and power that marked the history of the early church. When the disciples first heard the words of Christ, they felt their need of him. They sought him. They found him. They followed him. They were with him in the temple, at the table, on the mountainside, in the field. They were as pupils with a teacher daily receiving from him lessons of eternal truth. These disciples had a living experience with the resurrected Christ that was undeniable. The power of their personal experience was compelling. Listen as she says, after the Savior's ascension, the sense of the, defi of the divine presence full of love and light was still with them. It was a personal presence. Jesus, the Savior, who had walked and talked and prayed with them, who had spoken hope and comfort to their hearts, had while the message of peace was upon his lips been taken from them into heaven. This same Jesus had walked and talked with them for three and a half years personally. They knew Jesus. I don't want you to miss that. They knew Jesus. She says their union with him was stronger now than when he was with them in person. Can you imagine that? It was stronger now, after his ascension, and his ascension to heaven, than when he was with them in person. The light and love and power of an indwelling Christ shone out through them so that men beholding marveled. The Sanhedrin didn't know what to do. Many people had already come to faith in Christ, and the movement was spreading fast. All they could do after they counseled together, was command them that these disciples not preach and teach anymore in the name of Jesus Christ.
But Peter and John couldn't keep silent. They said in verse 20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They had a message that they couldn't help but be compelled to share what they had personally experienced. My friends, can people look at you today and take note that you have been with Jesus Christ? Can they sense in your home, at your school, on your job, in your neighborhood, that you have a personal relationship with Christ? Are people drawn to the Christ in you, or are they relieved when they leave your presence? In your speech, the way you walk and talk, or just in the very presence of you, do they see what it must be like to be in the very presence of Jesus? Church, just having an intellectual assent to biblical truth is not enough. Merely embracing the gift of prophecy is not enough. You need to know the man from Galilee. Because when you encounter the risen Christ, when you have a personal relationship with him, when you talk with him through prayer, when you listen to him, talk back to you through scripture, I guarantee you, you will be able to say, like Peter and John, I cannot but speak the things which I have seen and heard. Yet even that isn't all that they learned that day. The Sanhedrin eventually had to let them go after trying to threaten them and still not finding any way to punish them since the people glorified God for the healing of, the, of this layman who was over 40 years old. When Peter and John went back to their companions to share what happened and to pray, something very special happened. I want you to come with me and listen to this prayer gathering in Acts 4, verse 29. Come with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. And the Bible says, Now the Lord looked, now Lord, Look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. If you are truly going to experience what these disciples experienced in this church, friends, then you've got to recognize that the power of the message drives you to pray bold prayers. It drives you to pray bold prayers. I've experienced something of bold prayers and answers to bold prayers in our small group back at Andrews University in our small group connected to Pioneer Memorial Church. And we gather weekly to experience authentic Christian fellowship and the reading of the word of God and eating together and praying together. And we've seen relationships, family relationships that were broken, healed in the name of Jesus as a result of bold prayers. We've seen classes that we didn't think we were able to pass, right? I know there's some students maybe in the house today. Classes you didn't think you were able to pass and through prayer, God got you through that class and you passed. We experienced that in our small group Bible study. We also experienced many other miracles that I don't have time to cover today, but I began to see how God began to answer prayers, and I said, God, I want to pray a bold prayer. There was a friend of mine who had grown up in a Christian home, and he was living in that community in Andrews University, he still lives there today. And 
He is a professed atheist. He's a professed atheist. And I said, God, I want to see this man come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And last year, since last year, I began to pray for this young man daily as much as I could. Pray for this young man that God would do a bold thing. That God would do an amazing thing. That God would work a miracle of miracles in this man's life. Well, by God's grace, we had a conversation recently. And in that conversation, I was praying through the conversation. And he came to a place where he could actually say, CJ, I believe in the possibility that God exists. I said to him, I said, man, you're not an atheist. I said, at best, you're an agnostic. And as a matter of fact, I actually want to believe he's more of a seeker. He's always around the church services and the gatherings there at Andrews University and even prays sometimes with us, or he's at least there with us while we're praying. That is a miracle, friends. He is moving closer and closer to a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. I invite you to continue to pray for me as I continue to pray and work with this young man. But you've got to ask God for bold prayers. Amen? Amen. Family, we've got to learn to pray those bold prayers. Ask God for the hard, God-sized stuff. Don't just ask God for the little things that you can do yourself or that, that is highly probable of happening. Ask him for the things that only the God of heaven can do. I want you to notice something very important in this powerful prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4. I want you to notice in verse 29 that they did not ask God to stop the trial. They didn't ask God to stop the trial. They didn't ask God to deliver them from the persecution. They didn't ask God to give them a more favorable place to preach the gospel. They prayed for more boldness to speak the word of God. They weren't on the defensive church. They were on the offensive. Our loving Heavenly Father cannot resist such a prayer. That's why Jesus urged us in Luke chapter 11 and verse 9. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And in verse 13, he says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God must have looked down with those, at those gathered in that prayer gathering with a smile. As he listened to his children, he couldn't help himself and the answer to their prayers came suddenly. The Bible says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. How would you like to experience that kind of prayer meeting at the Mississauga Seventh-day Adventist Church? Amen? Amen? Are you ready for that kind of move of God in your midst? The Holy Spirit fell in such dynamite power that the very place where they were gathered shook. Some of you need to see the Holy Spirit fall in your homes. Some of you need to see the Holy Spirit shake your homes. Some of you need to see the Holy Spirit shake your neighborhood. Some of you need the Holy Spirit to fall in your schools. Some of you need the Holy Spirit to fall on the job. You need to assemble possibly together in groups like these disciples and pray bold prayers. You may need to get a prayer list going and make a list of people specifically for those that you want to see saved, that you want to see come to a knowledge of the truth. But I don't want you to forget the context of this prayer in the text. 
The prayer that really gets God's attention. The prayer that my friends heaven can't resist is the bold prayer for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and more boldness to share the word of God with your friends. My friends, if you want to experience the power of the message, then this is a non-negotiable part of your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. You've got to pray bold prayers. Oh, but church, Peter and John had, cut, had one more thing that they had to learn in Jerusalem that day. Come with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. And let's look at the results of the power of the message. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. If you're with me, let me hear you say amen. amen. All right. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And great power, everyone say power, great power. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love what comes next in great grace. And great grace was upon them all. Finally, family, if you're going to experience the power of the message, you've got to share in New Testament Christian community. I believe I first started to experience this type of New Testament Christian community at my church back in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, at the Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church. It was a church very much like this one. It was a warm, multicultural, accepting, loving congregation. I miss that church to this day. They had some of the, the greatest ministries, and, and they had a church school and the best fellowship lunches anywhere outside of Mississauga, Seventh-day Adventist Church, of course. <laughs> Public evangelism and personal evangelism was a part of the cycle of evangelism at that church. However, a very important part of this cycle or process of evangelism and discipleship were small groups meeting in homes once a week. This group were all connected to the local church and were safe places for our non-Adventist friends to come and fellowship with us and come to know about the Lord Jesus Christ in a deeper way. As we loved one another, as we served one another, as we shared in each other's lives, ate together and reached out to the community together, our lives began to change. We began to grow spiritually and, and souls were brought to Jesus Christ. Friends, if you are familiar with the book of Acts and you read the last part of chapter 4, which we just read, you'll notice that it sounds a lot like what happened on the day of Pentecost at the end of Acts chapter 2. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 45 as we're closing. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 45, the word of God says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, or the gospel, or, or, or the teachings of Christ, the word of God, and fellowship and the breaking of bread. They ate together. And in, uh, and in prayers, they prayed together. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. No, all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. They ministered to each other's needs. Now pay close attention to the context this all was done in, in the next two verses. The Bible says, so continuing how often? Daily with one accord in, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with some people, with all people. Notice that most of the community life of the early church took place in the homes of the, of the believers. They gathered in large corporate worship gatherings like this one in the temple. But notice that the rest happened in small group gatherings. It was in this context that they served one another, invested in each other's lives, continued in the teachings of Christ, and reached their communities. This is how they lived out the power of the message. It was in this setting that they became one in love. For Christ said that this is how people would know that you belong to him. Jesus said in John chapter 13, 35, and I love this scripture, he says, by this all may, will know that you are my disciples if you know how to give a Bible study from the concordance. If you know how to parse the Greek and the Hebrew. If you have a master's degree from Andrews University, if you can break down the time prophecies as important and as, as wonderful as they are, what does it say here? By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have what? If you have what? Love for one another. Look to the person next to you and I want you to say to them, by the grace of God, I want to love you like Jesus. I want to love you like Jesus because you're important. You're important to God, and you're important to me. Friends, we are called to love people into the message. And what was the result of this kind of Christian community? The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, I want you to hear these words. And the Lord added. Who added? The pastor added. The evangelism, personal ministries department added. Who did it? The Lord added to the church, how often? Daily. How often? Daily. Daily, those who were being saved. Praise God. My friends, the power of the message of Jesus Christ is best lived out in your lives. People need to see Christ, the hope of glory, in you and especially in your loving community. And I know this is a loving community here at the Mississauga Seventh-day Adventist Church. It is in your loving people, befriending them, inviting them into your homes, and starting and sharing what Auntie Ellen calls the truth, as it is, in Christ. And then when they're ready, bring them to the larger corporate gathering. You will truly then experience, my friends, the power of the message of Jesus Christ. Today, God is calling you to lift up the name of Jesus. He wants you to share Christ from a personal experience with him. Then he needs you to pray bold prayers that will shake your community. And if you want to experience the power of the message, he is inviting you. He's calling you to share a New Testament Christian community. How many of you believe God's word this morning? 
My friends, if you want to experience the power of the message, which is Jesus Christ, I invite you to stand with me. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.